We going to the jungle? <laughs> going to the jungle. And that night, yeah, that night you posted that. It was over from then. It was over as soon as I thought about it. Like, I was going. Yeah. Like, it was nothing that was going to stop me. So how did you get to the place where you wanted to go to the jungle, Frank? I don't even remember the exact moment that it hit me. I mean, I remember what song I was listening to. I was listening to the What's Free song on Jay's verse. That's when I, like, had seen that he actually owned Ace of Spades. And it just messed me up. I was just like, dang, like all this time I thought it was a company that he was like sponsored by or he just endorsed. And then I like kind of studied the backstory on it and I was like, you know what? I sell all these companies' wills. Like I just stand around my shop and I can look and just see a bunch of different companies and they literally don't do no marketing and they don't do anything. And the only reason the wheels get sold is because I tell people that they're cool. Yeah. And this is what you should sell. I mean, this is what you should ride on. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get my own wheels. And I'm going to Thanks all for tuning into Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? 12.30 a.m. 7-2-19. So we just put faith on the new CLS. It's been a super long day. I left Greensboro at 6 o'clock this morning. And now we're just getting back to Larry's house. I guess it's not just Larry's house. Storm's here, too. Mm-hmm. She's popped in and out throughout the day. But Larry had a successful hunt. He went over to China after the powwow in December, him and Storm. And we got them on the podcast today to talk a little bit about their journey and how we got to today. I want to hear Storm's perspective because for the first time, I got to sit with her today and learn about the other side of Larry. Mm. So, Storm, Larry walks in the door after the powwow. You had no idea what he was getting into when he left. And then he came back and said, what? I'm going to find out. And I'm like, okay, rewind. Like, what do you mean? Catch me up here. Yeah. You made these radical decisions while you were away for Mm -hmm. a few days. and Help me figure out what I'm missing. Basically. So once he broke it down, I'm like, okay. But um, I think it wasn't until we had watched American Gangster later that night. It just kind of like helped put things more into perspective for me. And then I was like, okay, we're going. Let's do it. Going to the jungle. Oh, yeah. Frank, you going to the jungle? <laughs> going to the jungle. And that night, yeah, that night you posted that. It was over from then. It was over as soon as I thought about it. Like, I was going. Yeah. Like, it was nothing that was going to stop me. So how did you get to the place where you wanted to go to the jungle? I don't even remember the exact moment that it hit me. 
I mean, I remember what song I was listening to. I was listening to the What's Free song on Jay's verse. That was when I, like, had seen that he actually owned Ace of Spades. And it just messed me up. I'm just like, dang, like, all this time I thought it was a company that he was, like, sponsored by or he just endorsed. And then I, like, kind of studied the backstory on it. And I was like, you know what? I sell all these companies' wills. Like, I just stand around my shop and I can look and just see a bunch of different companies. And they literally don't do no marketing. They don't do anything. And the only reason the wheels get sold is because I tell people that they're cool. Yeah. And this is what you, I mean, this is what you should ride on. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get my own wheels. And I'm going to sell my own wheels. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if nobody else sells them. As long as I sell them, I know I could make it happen. Yeah, I mean, why couldn't you just buy something here in White Label? Why did you need to go all the way to China? Because there's no, there's no factories here that even you can really White Label with. And even if it was, it's going to be something that everybody else is going to have. I needed something that was mine. I needed my own brand, and I needed everything to be right, the box right, the center cap right. Like, I needed it to be mine. So how long ago did you do the rebrand from Wells to Wells by Larry? Probably about a year to this yeah. almost exact point yeah. is when I kind of, like, rebranded it. Kind of give it a more personal touch. And, like, it was, like, the moment where I really started to blend my personal brand into the shop. Instead of keeping them as two separate entities like before. So, how do you, how do you actually get from telling store I want to go to China to going to China? Like, when did that happen? How did that happen? Did so, you guys go together? Like, yeah, how did so, that work? I was gonna go that weekend. Yeah, he was ready to go like like right then and there. So by this time it's December and February is my birthday. Normally we go away for my birthday, and so I said, okay, let's just go and we'll combine the two. The main purpose was, of course, for his um, business meeting, but we also went with the for celebrating my birthday. Even that, because I had used all my time off, and so I had to like kind of convince my supervisor to give me time off again. So I just got back from Africa, and um, like I was really, like, willing to like risk it all just to go. Like I didn't really care about the job, like whether you approve it or not. Like I'm going, but she did give me the time, so it all worked out. Uh-uh. What? That's kind of big. What? What do you mean you didn't care about? I was going. I was going. I was going to China. Like I wasn't going to go to work. Like I was going to go to China. Like I'm not going to let this man go by himself. Why was it I so important? I feel like it would be different if he was like in the states. But like China is a big deal. I wanted to experience that too. Like I wanted to see what it was going to be like, and I was excited, and so. Like, why not? Like, why not take along and, like, enjoy the ride with him and be there to see it, like, all unfold? You can get a new job. You can always get a new job. <laughs> so, okay, let me say this. I do enjoy my job. I love it. At that point, it wasn't me, like, choosing. Like, a, it was like, yeah, I'm going with him. So this was a big deal? Of course. Absolutely. What happened while y'all were in Africa? Uh, so yeah, but I mean, you were like on a safari or something crazy. Yeah, we were at the governor's camp. It was like an enclosed. Um, it wasn't even enclosed. It didn't have any fences. Yeah, we were yeah. actually in the middle of um, the Mazamara. And like literally anything, lions, elephants, literally walk right through the camp. It was yeah, hippo was right next yeah. to our tents in the middle of the night. Like you were in a tent, like in the middle of. The freaking bush. <laughs> um, we went on we game drives all day. Like, it was crazy. 
everywhere at the governor's camp in Jamaica, and we spent the rest of our trip in Nairobi, in the city area. So tell me, how was the trip to Africa? Africa, as I always say, is like the only word I can even really say is it's magical. It's just it's different. Like, you can feel it as soon as you get off the plane. Yeah. It's weird though because once you get to like Nairobi, it's really like the United States. Like we went to a, a bar that you would have thought you were in the United States if yeah. you didn't know any better. Like the music, the vibe, the TV. The difference is like that their projects and their rundown areas. It's just really it's just like living in a freaking tent, like. Yeah, it's a lot like of like they're building towards something, but yeah. right now it's a little, yeah, 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 it's a little, but I had stu- I seen that um you could get into China with a hundred and forty four day visa, hundred and forty four hour visa. But I didn't read the fine fine print that said that you had to be going to a third country after you leave China. You can't go China's. I mean, you can't go United States China then back to United States. You got to go United States China to a different country and then back to the United States for it to work. So literally, we're on the plane about to go from New York to Boston. So we get on our flight to go across and we find out we almost can't even get on our plane because we don't have a visa. So freaking we I had to get back on the computer, search and search, figure out what I needed to do. And that's when I realized I had to go to a third country. So because it was her birthday, I was like, man, we, we could do was just book another flight in the middle of the trip and go to Hong Kong. And we'll just spend a day or two at Hong Kong. So it looks like Hong Kong is our third country because even though it's owned by China, it's not considered part of China. Mm-hmm. So we booked the flight to Hong Kong in the middle of the trip. Um, went to Hong Kong. And then on our way back from Hong Kong, we didn't know that if you don't have a visa, you can't fly into two Chinese cities. So you can only go mm-hmm. Hong Kong, Shanghai, then back home to the United States. So we had to scrap that whole flight. Couldn't even get a refund for it. And buy another flight. Stayed in Hong Kong another yeah, night. Yeah, stayed another night in Hong Kong. We missed our flight. Bought another flight. And we had to fly back to Boston. Mind you, we left from um, New York. So we had to fly back to Boston, book a car in no, Boston. No, we flew to Boston. We had to fly to LA. No, we flew to LA. We flew to San Francisco in Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we booked and then a, drive back to New York. Yeah, we booked a, a rental car and drove from New York. I mean, from Boston to New York to pick up my truck. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Wait, no, so I got all that. that. That's good. But we're already back in the U.S. I don't even realize. You guys haven't told me who you were to see in China. Like we skipped well, the whole trip. Like wow. it's so hard to find like the factory because all their websites and stuff are like super old. Like you know, none of them are updated. So like I searched Google and everything, trying to find a place. Like I really didn't. Before we went out there, I really didn't even know who I was going to see. Like I just was winging it. Like I knew I was. I knew as long as I got out there, I could find something. But I happened to like try to Google. Couldn't find nothing on Google, so um, I got on Instagram and I just did hashtag. I searched hashtag wheel factory and just looked for pictures of somebody being in a wheel factory. And I found a girl named Amanda that worked there that was in Chinese at the factory that I went to go see. 
well, we didn't even get to see the factory because we didn't have a visa to go to that part of the um, Republic, bro, China. But um, we got to go to their office in Shanghai. But um, yeah, I found her on Instagram. I, she had her email, so I sent her an email, and she replied right back. But not even that. Oh, yeah, but she had already followed me on Facebook and sent me a message previously before. I just never paid her money. I just never thought it could be real at that moment. So you spent, you had dinner with Amanda, like mm-hmm. yeah, we freaking. Oh it was my our goodness! Second, it was our second day. Yeah, yeah. Um, we went met with her, sat At down. She kind of gave me the whole spill, like how it all works, we what I got to do, all that stuff. Took a bunch of notes, and then like it's tradition for people in China to take you out to dinner, like after you do business. Yeah. So of course, they wanted to go take us to a traditional Chinese restaurant, which is nothing like a Chinese restaurant here. So we walk in there, and it's the only th- way I can describe it is like the beginning of the Gremlins movie when the guy goes downstairs to get the, the magua, and like that Chinese um, shop, like it was kind of like that same type of vibe. And um, yeah, like, <laughs> and so we start looking at the menu, and she's like, "Order what you want, try a bunch of different stuff." We're thinking that it's like small plates, like advertisers. Well, well, we did know that it was all yeah, family-sized yeah. meals, everything. So they start bringing out Thanksgiving-style-sized dishes to the table, like back to back, because we ordered a bunch of and stuff. And how much our table is small? Small. Do you want probably to try like four dog, by four. Do you want us to try dumplings? And um, we also wanted a, there's a few things that we also wanted to try. So there were like tons of stuff that come in on the small table. So we're like, oh my god, these are family-sized portions. Like this yeah. is too much food. And we were like, you can't eat all yeah, of it. I was done. I don't. We like to travel. Like we taste other people's food, but we like to get full off of American food or the closest thing we can find yeah. to American food. So like I was, was done. Like, like once I testing. tasting, I was done. But like I look at her plate and like man, it's nothing but the bones left. If you saw her plate, you would have thought she didn't even eat anything because like in their culture, like they eat it as far as if it's chewable, it's <laughs> edible. Yeah. Um. So, like, we see her, and she's, like, struggling, like, to the point where she looks like she's about to throw up. So that's why I'm like, oh, something must be wrong. So I asked her. No, she asked her if we could take the food home, and she was we like, no. Go she was like, know. you can't take it Because it was so much home. food, and she was like, no, like, that's not what we do. Like, it's going to be a fresh next yeah. day. Like, Here in our culture, like, there's no such thing as, like, take home. taking home food or, or like, not finishing your food. Yeah, like, you got to so, finish your food. Like, yeah, like, I felt bad. Like, yeah. she had to go talk to the manager to discuss, like, what was going on at our table because we were kind of like, well, at least I was trying to send stuff away that I didn't want anymore. But they were looking at you crazy if you tried yeah. to send stuff away. Like, and I had, I had the one waitress take um, some soup that we had. It was not an appetizer thing. And um, she was kind of like, you know, what are, like, what are you doing? Like, it's, it's still food in the bowl. And yeah. they had to, Amanda had to explain to her that I didn't want it anymore. But when all the other food started coming out, at that point, he had to get up and talk to the manager and say, like, you know, they didn't know this. They, eat this. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the best experience. Um, just because it was a bit overwhelming. So, what happens next in the process? That was it, really. After that, it was just all fun and games. Yeah. We went to Hong Kong. Yeah. Really, um, it was just that one day of business. Yeah. That one day we went to the office and took notes yeah. and had dinner. That was it. The next day. It. The next I day. I mean, they still like chatted and stuff. Yeah. She was basically just telling us places we should see. Yeah, she was having nice little like 
touristy type things to try out while we were there. But um, for the most part, everything was handled over the phone or like via email or something. Okay, so you get back home. Mm-hmm. Is the will already designed? Like where? Where uh, do you go next? Like walk me through the steps to get to today. Like we kind of worked together, found the design that I wanted, found everything. He thought the covering that I wanted. She's um, she's saying like a exactly how I wanted to look. Yeah. Like the design and the finish and all that stuff. And she just started getting it built. I had a center of deposit of the wire, a deposit tour. And then they started production. She would send me like pictures of samples, like she sent me the center cap first. So I could just verify that I like the center cap. Then she sent me a picture of the box so I could verify I like the box. Um well at first off I had to meet my guy here that does all my designs so he could design the box and all the other stuff. But um yeah, I sent that to her. I sent the renderings to her, and then they made the boxes off of those. Then eventually, she sent me a picture of the wheel when it was finished, and overnight air made one. The sample wheel. You just, that. You, you just kind of breezed through this whole wire thing. So you sent a wire to a foreign country yeah. off of uh, a day meeting, yeah. a couple hours, few hours, plus a dinner. Yeah, worth it. The, the gamble was even if even if the money somehow magically disappeared, I'd have did it again. Like and then the what I understood what I was I understood what I was doing and how big it was going to be. So I was willing to take whatever chances were necessary to make it happen. And she was very thorough. Like we had yeah. a meeting, like we were there for a minute, and like she had a PowerPoint, so like it was very well detailed and organized, and yeah. she was very like knowledgeable about what the factories entailed. So, like, I'm taking notes for him, and um, I feel like we, she literally covered all aspects. I feel like she, we didn't everything. have enough questions for her. Right. That's yeah. how she made it seem. Yeah. But I had seen some boxes when I was in there, so I was good. That's right. So, when we were in the office, we saw some, some uh, other meetings. So, he felt comfortable doing business. Yeah. Well, he felt comfortable doing business. No way. <laughs> the money part didn't really, that wasn't worried about that. But she had to do something to be credible enough for you to say, I can place this bet. Yeah. No, I was just taking a chance. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I mean, I just knew just because I seen other people's stuff yeah, that it was good. But I mean, beyond that, even if I didn't see other people, I probably would have still been. Okay. So you work on all the other stuff digitally. You get the sample wheel. What is that? Two or three days before the power? Yeah, I got the yeah, same. Right? No, I got the day before. The day before. Yeah, the powwow. So you that was a good experience. Like literally waiting around for the D- DHL truck to pull up with that, so I could open it and like really get to see it, put my hands on it, and then yeah, brought it to the powwow. Brought it home so she could see it. Took it to the barber shop. I was in bed. Took it to took it to Rim Source. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I have something to show you, and I'm like, and sure enough, it was it was by the door. So, then we did show and tell the power. You break it down. You're telling us in detail that you didn't quite give us at the power, but it's okay. And then we come back and we wait. So, tell me about the shipping process. Let's talk about these tariffs changing. Well, the shipping process, it took probably about 
it actually took less than what I thought it was. I think it was like it was almost thirty days to the to the T for it to actually arrive in New York. Of course, the tariffs, man, the tariff went up. It was when I first started talking about it, it was three percent. Then before I put the order in, it went to ten percent. Well, it went up an additional ten percent, and then. By the time my pallet got here, it arrived, it was at 25%. So um, I did have to pay the 25% tariff. Um, There's a whole bunch of other fees that go in with like the shipping of it and the port fees and stuff like that. I had to actually hire an importer because you can't really do it all yourself because you got to file like so many different paperwork to ISF and all that stuff. But once I got through that part, it was all, it was, it was just a waiting game, really. I was excited. I mean, I, I feel like me completing it and just knowing that I did it was enough for me at that moment. But, like, I definitely couldn't wait till they got it. I think the sample will kind of – I think that's what it was. I think the sample will kind of, like, broke the ice for me because mm-hmm. I had already seen it. I had been looking at it all day, every day. So it kind of made, like, the wait a little bit easier. Then what? I'm like, oh, heck, I got to pay this guy that on tariff and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was my first thought. It was just like, man, like, now, now it's real. Now yeah. we, now it's – now I'm gonna make it happen. I just got to do got to and then it's like just still a waiting game because you got to wait for them to clear through customs. Then there's more paperwork that you got to do once it gets here. You got to make sure it's certified. It's just so much stuff you got to do. Um, then I had to hire a trucker to go get it from the port and bring it back to the shop. And it was a learning process, but even that it didn't take too long. It took about a week for me to get it from New York to my door. Week, week today. I guess it's yesterday at this point. Yeah. How you feeling? Because you know it's a delivery day. Feeling good. It's a beautiful day. I went and picked Jerome up. Sun is out. And basically a waiting game. I called the delivery guy early in the morning to make sure he was coming before Jerome got on his flight. And he said he was definitely coming. So basically just a waiting game. Just sit around and wait for the truck to come. Good feeling. It felt good knowing that it was actually about to happen. It didn't feel real. Like It felt like any other day, but I could tell it was something different. So I was at work, and it was about 1.45-ish. The kids had just left, um, and so I'm like, I haven't heard from Larry at all today, like, management <laughs> Like, let me check in with him and see if the rules had come. I knew that they were going to be delivered today. I just wasn't sure what time. So I texted him, and um, I asked him to come over here, and he sent me a photo of the truck. And it was um, like, kind of like halfway pulled up. You could see like the boxes like stacked, stacked up or whatever. And um, I was like, you know, as soon as I'm done with work, like, I'm done with work, I'm going to come over because I wasn't really going to be there to see like all the, the wheels that he sent. And so um, I came home real quick and also ran to the bank. And then um, I went straight to the shop. And like just pulling up, I was like in complete like disbelief. It was just like, like, I remember, like, going like this, like, just holding, like, my hands to my face and, like, being, like, oh, my God, this is, like, real. Because I pulled up. What did you and, see um, when you pulled up? I saw, so, there were two, how would you describe, like, two pallets? Three pallets. So, when I first saw, when I saw the first two, I got excited, but I didn't even, like, see the other. No, 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 I saw the one closest this way. And then when I hit that corner, I saw the other pallet lined up. And I'm like, this is a shine of inventory. I wasn't expecting it to be so much. I felt overwhelmed a little bit. Just because it was so real. And it was a lot to like, yeah, I pulled up, saw him, gave him a kiss, told him I was proud of him. 
and um, I couldn't stop smiling like I was really excited. It was like it was so like surreal. Like, it was just, I think I always think about like how when we first went there and then fast forward to today, it's like it just happened so fast. Even though it was like a long process, if that makes sense. It just seemed like like they're, they're here after all this time. I'm sitting in the showroom. Larry says he's here. Truck's here, and I think he's just picking with me. So I walk out into the shop and I peek around the corner. And sure enough, the truck is backing in. So I pull out my camera and start trying to document. And from there, I look at Larry. He's not even smiling. Yeah. He's just kind of staring at the truck. Looked at me, looked back at the truck. And it's almost like he's not happy. Yeah. And then... He halfway smiles. Um, and I don't remember. You remember the truck driver's name? He hops out. And he rolls up the back door. Mm-hmm. And that's when he smiles. That's when he smiles. That's when he's around. Yeah. Crazy moment. So as he's unloading the pallets, what are you thinking? I don't know. I feel like there was so much else going on, I really couldn't think. Like, what? It was just like, like, I did it, like, this is it, like, not this is it, but like, they it, like, okay, I don't know. You feel like you're still processing? No, not, not still processing. You're on to the next? Yeah, I'm like, I'm already off it, like, I'm already thinking about the next thing. Yeah. So let's talk about how many times you visualized it. And the way that you imagine it, did it happen the way that you saw it happening? Oh, yeah. I think it happened better than what I even saw it happen. What was better? Um, I mean, I just think it, it just happened faster. It happened, I don't know, I just feel like it was perfect. Like, it just happened the way it was supposed to happen. What was the most difficult part? Okay. Do okay. you feel like there were any challenges or, like, any presentation at all? Honestly, no. I mean, about? I mean, the only thing I was really ever stressed about at any point was maybe just making sure I had all the money, like just at the time that it, I needed to have it, mm-hmm. and not have it tied up nowhere else. But that was mm-hmm. it. Other than that, I wasn't stressed about nothing. Yeah. Just a waiting game. I was plotting on my next move the whole time. I think once I visualize it, once I see it come together in my head. And once it's executed, like, it's on to the next thing for me. Like, I need something else to visualize. I get more out of, like, visualizing, putting it in my head, together in my head, and then doing it than actually, like, receiving the product and, mm-hmm. like, seeing it pull up. Like, the, the feeling of it was more, the feeling was more powerful when I came in here that night and I talked about what's the jungle. I put the, the whole play together in my head. Yeah. That's when it was at its peak. Yeah. This happens You're twice. excited. It happens twice. Once in your mind, then in the physical space. But I want to say, say to that, that I kind of want us to tell her to enjoy these moments. Even though he's thinking far ahead of like what his next move needs to be or what it should be, 
this is also a really, really big moment too. And so, although he presented as being humble and modest, this is a big deal. And I need you to celebrate a little bit and let loose and enjoy it and be present and just receive it. Receive it for what it is. And then, of course, move forward. I know that's hard sometimes. I just think of it different. I just think of like, like I feel like in our in our culture, like if somebody graduates med school, becomes a lawyer, like it's like praise through the family, like it's just like so big. It's mm-hmm. like the biggest thing you could ever do. But in other cultures, if somebody doesn't become a lawyer, doesn't become a doctor, you're almost ousted from the family. So I feel like sometimes our perception is not, uh, it's just a little skewed. Like, I feel like, I understand like being in the moment. I think the moment for me is when I put it together and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the moment for me. Um, but like the grand moment for me is like where I see, where I really want to be. So. Uh, not the grand moment. Grand moment does like the the material things around the grand moment might move, but actual what I want to be like that's different. Like it's actually a point where I know like that's it. Like I hit like it's actually a goal on that grand moment. No, I know what it is, but I just it's not yet. It's not it's not close. Yet. I got I got a lot of work to do. And so, I guess it was three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, we talked your desire to grow into that person, right? You talked about your frustration of not being the person you needed to be in order to accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. And so, where are you in that journey? Have you figured out the things that are holding you back? And if you have, what are you doing to go to the next level? I figured out that the things that hold me back or constantly pull me back is me second guessing what I have already done, how I've done it, and what I need to do to go forward instead of just me genuinely being me and doing it the way I would have always done it. Um, I feel like the times that I try to force it or try to be somebody different from who I am, it never turns out to be the way I want it to turn out to be. But the times when I let it be organic and literally be a reflection of who I am and what I've done in the past and like what I want to be, it works out on its own. It just happens. It just mysteriously just comes together when I just have faith that it's just going to work and it just works. So what are you going to do different now? I'm going to trust in myself and trust in my way through thick and thin. So it's super late. It's after one now. And what, what would you guys like to leave the listeners with? What would you like for them to know after this? It's not quite a month journey. I guess we can, we can call it eight since it started in December. I just want people to know to like 
dream big, like visualize big, like don't let anybody like put a a, a limit on what your abilities are or anything. Like just dream as big as you can and really and go for it and just do it. Like don't wait for the perfect time. Just do it and and own it. Whatever you're doing, just own it and the literal term, make sure it's yours. Mm-hmm. What gives you the courage to do that? Because, I mean, that's what stops us, right? It's the fear that it's not going to work out or it's not having the people around us that support us or want to be there with us as we go through the process of manifesting whatever we've been dreaming about. What, what gives you the courage to do that? Cause I'm not scared to fail. Like I just don't have no fear. Like absolutely zero fear. Nothing can stop me. Even if it stops me, it can't stop me. I told Jerome today. I was like, man, my something happened to my shop. Anything could happen. I I could pack these wheels up and put them in the back of a U-Haul and dump them on the side of the road, and I will wake up the next morning ready for war, ready to figure out exactly what I need to do to make it happen. Like, it doesn't matter anything. Like, I have no, absolutely no fear. I'm going to just keep moving forward every single time. What you say about me? The only thing you fear is for you. Mm-hmm. That don't make me cry. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's the only... It's, it's not, it's, no, I didn't say the only thing I feared. My, I said, as far as, like, emotional attachments to um, material things, like, somebody would probably think that I'm so, like, materialistic because of the cars I got or anything or the way I do stuff with my shop or like but it's like no emotional attachment to anything. Like I have no emotional attachment to it because I'm always thinking of the next thing and the next way the next journey I'm gonna go on. Uh, it's like the only thing I have an emotional attachment to is storm. Mm-hmm. And I keep it that way so that I don't get caught up in the light of whatever I'm doing now because there's so much more to do. How would you like to close it out, Storm? Sorry to make me cry. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I know I cry over everything. I hate myself. <laughs> too emotional. I'm not sure how to close it. You can say I love you. <laughs> you know, so you know how to do I'm so proud of you. Like, I was like super, super excited. I remember um, being on the internship and just like, dying to like leave and thankfully my last two clients didn't show up so i was able to leave a little early to get back to the shop but um thanks for sharing guys if you want to learn more about dream catchers please visit the website at dreamshouldbereal.com if you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we're doing with them we would greatly appreciate it Get it how you live, and that's just what I did. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy.